Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Today is episode 301. We're looking at Acts chapter 21, verses 7 through 14. Let's read our passage. When we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Ptolemus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. The next day, we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who is one of the seven, and stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more, except the Lord's will be done. Wrapping up Paul's third missionary journey, he's traveled from the mainland of Asia They got on an ocean-going ship, crossed the eastern Mediterranean, south of Cyprus, and landed at Tyre. Spent a few days there at Tyre, then got on the ship from Tyre and sailed down to Polemus. That's where we pick it up in verse 7. When we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Polemus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Tolemus is the southernmost Venetian port. So this is the area Phoenicia. There's Tyre, Polemus. Polemus is the, the most southern port. Uh, it's not mentioned much. It, it does occur in the Bible, in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 1 is called Acho. And just in the recitation of all the various Canaanites that had not been driven out of the land. Verse 8. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So the next day they left Ptolemus and went to Caesarea. It's only about 25 miles between the two. And he didn't say how they made the trip. They could have traveled by road, but it's a rough road. It's hilly. It's tough because you're going around the, the base of a mountain or it could have been an easy boat ride down the 25 miles. And it could have been the, the very boat that uh, landed at Tyre, unloaded, and then sailed on down the, the way to Caesarea. We don't know, but the point is they uh, went to Caesarea. And interestingly, we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. So who's Philip the Evangelist? Well, they called Philip the Evangelist to differentiate him from Philip the Apostle. Because one of the twelve was a man named Philip. But there's another Philip we see. And specifically, Luke tells us here, Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. The seven are the seven Hellenistic Jewish Christians who are named in the book of Acts in chapter 6. The seven who are chosen to take care of the problem of the daily distribution to the Greek widows. And so this is Philip the Evangelist. 
So we see him in, in Acts chapter 6 as one of the seven, but then we see him in chapter 8 as the evangelist, the one who, uh, part of the Christians scattering, leaving Jerusalem, he goes to Samaria and takes the gospel to Samaria. We see him as the one who encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. And then following the uh, encounter with the Ethiopian, he leaves and continues spreading the gospel. Then at the very end of chapter 8, verse 40, it says he ended up in Caesarea. So now 20 years later, here he is still in Caesarea. And so Paul and his group stay with Philip the evangelist. And Luke tells us that this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Well, one thing to make of this is here we have uh, another instance of women who are prophets. And we see the just a change from, you know, one of the changes of from traditional Judaism is the elevation of the status of women. Women now can serve in ministry. Women can even be prophets. And Philip, the evangelist, has four daughters who are prophets. Now, just an interesting side note, bonus material. Sometime after this, we believe Philip and his daughters left Caesarea and moved to Hierapolis. That is up in Asia Minor. It's actually very near Colossae and Laodicea. That area, the whole area of the, the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And so the city of Hierapolis there. We, we know from certain church historians, they, they mention Philip and his daughters. Eusebius is a, a church historian. He wrote somewhere around like 320 A.D., but he gathered material from uh, others, uh, specifically from uh, Irenaeus, who wrote material around 180. And so if we, uh, here's uh, some of Eusebius's writings. He says, he's speaking about Papias, Papias, the bishop of Hierapolis, which is where Philip went to. And Papias was the bishop of Hierapolis somewhere from like 95 to 110 AD. So, so he was there and would have overlapped with the, the ministry of Philip the Evangelist. So very similar to Eusebius, he says, there are five extant books of Papias which bear the title Expositions of Oracles of the Lord. Arrhenius makes mention of these as the only works written by him in the following words. These things are attested by Papias, an ancient man who was a hearer of John and a companion of Polycarp. So the, uh, just a, as introduction to all these people, Irenaeus wrote around 180, and Irenaeus mentions that Papias knew Polycarp and actually listened, was taught by John the Apostle. A little bit later in Eusebius's writings, this is where it intersects with what we're talking about. He says, but it's fitting to subjoin the words of Papias, which have been quoted, other passages from his works, which he relates some other wonderful events, which he claims to have received from tradition, that Philip dwelt at Herapolis with his daughters, has already been stated. But it must be noted here that Papias, their contemporary, says he heard a wonderful tale from the daughters of Philip. For he relates that in his time, one rose from the dead. He tells another wonderful story of justice. 
served named Bersabbas, that he drank a deadly poison, and yet by the grace of the Lord suffered no harm. The interesting uh, justice is the, uh, the man who was chosen to be the replacement for Judas, the apostle. So just some interesting things there from, from church history. Uh, we see here a cameo appearance of Philip the Evangelist and his daughters. Well, it's no more of him in the, in the Bible, but we have in the writings of church historians that Philip and his daughters moved to Heropolis, and they gave a lot of information to Papias, who then wrote it down, and it was captured by some of the later church historians. So back to Acts chapter 21, verse 10. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Well, we saw Agabus back in chapter 11 when uh, we were things were going on up in Antioch. Agabus came from Jerusalem down to Antioch and made a prediction that there would be a famine in Jerusalem. And because of that, they took up a collection in Antioch. So here we see Agabus again, verse 11. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. And this way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. This is Old Testament-style prophecy. So this uh, Agabus, he, he, when he prophesies, he, he does it Old Testament-style. Very dramatic. He acts it out. He begins with, This is what the Lord says. And he basically takes Paul's, it says belt, that would be the, the long sash kind of thing, as you wrap around your body a couple of times. He ties his own hands and feet with it and says, this is what's going to happen to Paul. That when Paul goes to Jerusalem, he will be bound by the Jews and handed over to the Gentiles. That would be the Romans. Now notice, Agabus does not say, so don't go. He doesn't say, because of that, don't go. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. And much in Old Testament prophet style, that then begins the series of events, which will then be what the prophet has said will happen. Now, verse 12. When we heard this, now we refers to Luke, and probably the entire entourage that is traveling with Paul and Luke, all these, this delegation who's taking the collection to Jerusalem. So when we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. So here, that's not the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has said, there's going to be trouble. When they interpret that, I mean, then don't go. Verse 13, then Paul replied, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. Now we've talked a little bit about this. Why is the Holy Spirit telling Paul all this bad stuff is going to happen? Yet continues to tell him, but go. I think it's so that when the bad things do happen, Paul knows he is in the will of God. And so not to be dissuaded of, hey, this doesn't seem to be going well. Maybe I should try something else. But no, no, it is God's will that you encounter this trouble so that the gospel can be proclaimed. Now, others hear this bad stuff and say, then you shouldn't go. And it's much like people trying to persuade Jesus not to go to Jerusalem. 
But Jesus says, well, my mission is to go to Jerusalem. And much as Jesus, in his prayer in Gethsemane the night before his execution, ends his prayer with, but thy will be done, we end this with, the Lord's will be done. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.